I'm going to suggest to you absolutely positively we should deal with it. Do not deny it. Certainly do not suppress it. Keep packing it down, packing it down, packing it down. Listen to me. Mental hospitals and doctors of psychology, their offices are overrun with people today who kept pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. Pretty soon you're not going to have anywhere to push it and you're going to explode. Church, I thank you so much for turning us on, tuning us in, and being a part of New Life Telecast. We're going to jump into a brand new teaching tonight that deals with the issue of pain. Now, not just any pain, not the kind of pain where you hit your finger with a hammer and perhaps have some thoughts that you shouldn't have, but we're going to be talking about an inward pain, mental and emotional pain. Perhaps I'm speaking to someone right now. You have such mental, emotional anguish going on inside you. You may be very young. You may be not so young. Maybe you're the last person on earth that we would ever suspect is having any pain. You mask it very well by the facade of a smile. Perhaps when someone says, hey, how you, do how you doing? You're quick to respond. Oh, I'm great. Too stressed or too blessed, rather, to be stressed and on and on and on. But yet there's that pain in there, and we're going to be dealing with that. The text passage for this particular series is found in Luke chapter 9, but I'm going to read an additional passage right now. It's found in John chapter 16 and verse number 33. And listen to this. Listen carefully what this says. John 16 and verse 33. In this world you will have trouble. See? Don't deny it. In this world, you will have trouble. He continues, but take heart. I have overcome. Now, make no mistake about it. This is Jesus Christ, the Son of God, speaking. Jesus says, listen to this again, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Those of you that are in Christ understand, he says, we're going to have some troubles, but he has overcome the world. He has overcome the trouble. When you're in him, you can and will emerge from the troubles with victory as more than an overcomer. I trust you'll be encouraged by this. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for each one listening into this telecast by whatever means, and I pray specifically for that one that may be listening right now. And perhaps they found this telecast by mistake, just flipping through the channels. We know that it was a divine appointment. And as they are watching even now with some deep-seated emotional mental anguish or hurt or pain, I pray that you would begin to deal with that pain and help them to know for certainty that they can be delivered from this and set free and live a life of purpose and abundance as you have designed. I pray, I ask in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, you hang on. I'm going to be back here in just a little while to wrap things up and uh, tell you perhaps a couple things about new life that you're just excited to hear about. Take care. God bless.
Over the years of pastoral ministry, some 41 years now, I have observed something that is totally intriguing to me. And let me tell it to you like this. You have to know after all of those years that I have witnessed and I have experienced every sort of human ordeal there is to know. Let me list just a few. I have lived the excitement and even the uncertainty of childbirth, both personally, not meaning that I gave birth to my children, but I was there, I helped. Can I get an amen right there? Both personally and with countless other families. I look about this congregation, I see family after family after family. You've had babies, I have been there with you and we prayed over those babies. What a great time that is. Every pastor looks forward to those times. We call that biological growth and we love it. I've lived the extreme opposite as I've leaned into families during those gut-wrenching times when a loved one has passed. And again, as I peruse or look over this congregation, uh, how many of you, probably a lot more of you that I have leaned into in that uh, experience than I have not. I'm not gonna tell you that I look forward to those times because I don't look forward to them. I call them gut-wrenching for a reason. I've stood before countless starry-eyed lovebirds like Zach and Martina. See the little, see the rays coming off of them this morning? Oh, they're still on the honeymoon. Bless them, Lord. I've stood before couples like that as they exchange their marriage vows and, and you look at them and man, they just look so wonderful. That's a great time as well. I've sat in the waiting room and stood by the bedsides of those that are either facing some nerve-wracking procedure or battling some extended illness. Those times aren't fun either. I have experienced these chapters of life personally, as many of you have personally. I've experienced these times with my own family, and I've experienced these times vicariously, perhaps I should say empathetically and sympathetically with your families. So, I said all that to say this. That which intrigues me about all of these things is the multitude of differing reactions. The differing reactions coming forth from the diverse personalities undergoing these various and sundry dilemmas. Now here's a little bit of a parenthesis, but stick with me. Much of what I just described to you in, in very bullet form, and I could elaborate, trust me, but much of what I've just described to you could well be classified as pain, P-A-I-N. Everybody say pain. Certainly not all of these things, but most of these things could be described under that or classified as pain. Mr. Uh, Miriam, that would be George and Charles, who later acquired Mr. Webster's uh, dictionary, and they put all that together, and, and they come up with this definition of pain. Look at this, a localized or generalized unpleasant bodily sensation or complex of situation or sensations that causes mild to severe physical discomfort and emotional distress and typically results from bodily disorder such as injury or disease. Lord, help us. Just hope and pray you never have to memorize that and take a test on it. 
pain. That's kind of a long way to describe that which we know as pain. This basically addresses some manner of adverse physical stimulation, something that we do not necessarily look forward to. But there is a second application, a second usage of the word pain. And it's number one on your study notes. Fill this in with me. Pain can be a mental or emotional distress or suffering. Mental or emotional distress or suffering. All coming under the umbrella of the one word, grief. Grief that expresses it pretty clearly. Now, I took you there to tell you this. It's mostly this last application that I felt impressed to explore with you. And I've been sensing this, I've been feeling this for weeks, probably months now, and just felt released to get into it with you this morning. I want to offer to you that the vast majority of persons, even in the church world, and that would be you and those of you that perhaps those of you listening by way of live stream, but the vast majority of persons do not necessarily consider that mental or emotional turmoil is indeed to be classified as pain. But it's just such that most often ends up, now watch this, this is foundational. This will help set the tone for what I have felt impressed to share with you. It's just such that most often ends up occupying a lot of our energy. I sense that there's a lot of you here this morning that have no energy. Am I right? Pastor T kind of senses that a little bit. But the vast majority of persons do not necessarily consider that mental or emotional turmoil is, is to be classified as pain, but it's most often, a lot of the times, it's just such things as I've mentioned that, uh, that occupy a lot of our energy and consequently, or as a result of that, a lot of our time. Time that could be spent on other more fulfilling and more productive endeavors. Now, when such things zap our energy, it's a certain level of discomfort that's really difficult to put into words. But I want to stress to you, see what I did there? <laughs> I want to stress to you that it's for real. Mental or emotional distress can be debilitating. In that sense, I'm going to suggest to you that it is very real and it is very formidable pain. It's not just something that's in your head, so to speak. Now, that kind of draws to a conclusion that a uh, little bit of an interruption. I'm back to where I started. I want you to catch this. Here's what really fascinates me or intrigues me about this whole issue. With most any encounter that prompts emotional distress or even suffering, the responses seem to, to run the gamut. The responses seem to range from, I'm gonna suck it up and go, yes, something happened, something has come against me, but I'm gonna suck it up and go, or I'll lean uh, or learn from this as the case might be, and I will grow. Suck it up and go, or I'm just gonna learn from this and grow to the other extreme of 
I can't take this. I cannot take this. I'm done. Or something like, why me? Of all the people that could have this experience, why me? Reminds me of the Dale Carnegie lyric. Perhaps you're familiar with this. Two men looked out from prison bars. Two men looked out from prison bars. And you know the lyric. One saw the mud, one saw the stars. How is that possible? How is it that two people can, can look at the same thing, face the same thing, and come away with totally different perspectives on it? I'm headed to number two on your study notes, and it's a question I want to put before you this morning. Here it is. As born-again, spirit-filled believers, if you're born-again, spirit-filled believers, say amen. 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 As born-again, spirit-filled believers, how do we deal with our pain? How do we deal with our pain? I'm going to try to pause frequently this morning and give you an opportunity to think about your pain. How do we deal with our pain? Pain. Secondly, how should we deal with our pain? Thirdly, very similar question is, should we deal with our pain? How do we, uh, how should we, should we deal with our pain? Here's the answer. I'm going to begin to answer this, and we'll flesh this out in the weeks to come, but I want to start right here. Beloved, let me see your eyeballs just a sec. You will encounter pain, whoever you are. And if you never have, and you're thinking, well, I never have before, I'll, I, I just don't think that's going to happen. I'm here to tell you, you will encounter pain. You will deal with pain. It will come to you. Watch this. You will respond. Oh, no, not me. I'm not going to respond. Well, you just did. It will come to you and you will respond. Listen to John 16, 33. In this world, you will have trouble. Who said that? Who said that? Jesus Christ said, in this world, you will have trouble. And he was talking to some pretty high up people among the body of Christ, if you please. He says, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You understand Jesus is saying, the world is going to beat you down, but I have beat down the world. Isn't that a thought? Indeed it is. Pain. What do you do with pain? Watch this. Either you acknowledge it, yeah, it's there, or you deny it, refuse to acknowledge it, or you suppress it. I see it, it's there, I acknowledge that it's there, but I'm going to keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down and keep pushing it down. Pastor Terry, is there a Bible, spirit-filled way to engage and confront pain? Let me say it, say it to you just straight up. Yes, there is. There is a Bible spirit-filled way. Well, 
How? How, Pastor Terry? We're going to try to tell you. Watch this. Proactive is always better than reactive. Let me do that again. Not just in this context, but this pretty much applies to your life. Proactive is always better than reactive. A plan is better than no plan. Let me show you. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 18. The New Living Translation puts it this way. This is the Word of God. Plans succeed through good counsel. What kind of counsel? Plans succeed through good counsel. Don't go to war without wise advice. So watch this, church. The clear inference there is have a plan, but don't just have a plan. Have a good plan. And where does a good plan come from? Good, solid, wise, spirit-filled counsel. With a plan, when you have a plan, you deal forthright with the issue. Now watch this. When you deal with a plan based on wisdom and wise counsel, you're not just formulating a plan based on your own experience, but with the, uh, with the experience of others as well. How many of you know that uh, the more the merrier when it comes to wisdom hmm? and wise counsel? You know, one of the problems with our world today, ask me what? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad to tell you. One of the problems with our world today is this. It's me. It's me. It's me. You remember Elvis? I did it my way. Let me tell you something. There's a lot of people that did it their way, and you know where they're going to spend eternity? Listen, don't try to do this thing all by yourself. That is one of the problems with our world today. We try to do everything all by ourselves, and we say, hey, I'm just, I'm going to show you. I'm going to do this, even if other, a lot of wise counsel says not to, or that's going to get you in trouble. What? I'm going to do it my way. Well, God help you. Without a plan, you will still eventually deal with the issue. Consider that. Even without a plan, you will still eventually deal with the issue. So, should we deal with it? Should we deal with our pain? I'm going to suggest to you absolutely positively, we should deal with it. Do not deny it. Certainly do not suppress it. Keep packing it down, packing it down, packing it down. Listen to me. Mental hospitals and doctors of psychology, their offices are overrun with people today who kept pushing it down, pushing it down, pushing it down. Pretty soon you're not going to have anywhere to push it and you're going to explode. Are you with me? Oh, not me. I'm stronger than that. No, you're not. Over the course of the next few weeks, I am going to seek to emphasize about six different, watch this, normal life situations that are respected as conveyors of pain. And I'm going to offer some practical Bible help for not only dealing with, but more so conquering the pain. Let me give you just a little sneak preview. We're going to talk about painful decisions. We're going to talk about painful finances. We're going to talk about painful health issues. We're going to talk about painful losses. We're going to talk about painful relationships. And then lastly, we're going to talk about painful sins. Now, before we really get rolling this morning, a couple of things I want you to ponder. Number three on your study notes, fill us in with me. 
the Bible includes more verses about suffering or pain than it does about joy. Writer Glenn Pemberton reminds us, and I quote, some scholars have suggested that over 40% of the Psalms are songs of lament. Part of my devotional reading over the last several months has landed me in 2 Corinthians. And even this week, I was reminded of Paul's extensive writing about his suffering. Watch this. If you read the Bible, you know I'm telling you the truth. Paul did not hide his suffering. There's a hint. Are you with me? He didn't hide it. Through the imprecatory Psalms, and at best count, there's about 21 of them. That's those Psalms where David imprecates, or I should say invokes curses on the perceived enemies of God. But through those, David throws down some pretty visceral, some nerve-shaking, if you please, some nerve-shaking, violent words against his foes. That is definitely a type of suffering. Now, I have to ask myself, why the preponderance of verses about this sort of thing? Why the preponderance of verses about these things, pains, sufferings, as opposed to these good things, this joy that we've talked about? Will you consider with me pain and suffering, whether it's that we see reflected in the Bible or that which we hear about otherwise, pain and suffering, that's really where we are. That's where we are. That's where we live. That's the world we live in. But we don't have to stay in that world. Follow me on this. I want to take you back to Luke chapter 9. And set the scene for you. Here it is. And I find this somewhat entertaining. (laughs) Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him. Sounds a bit contradictory, doesn't it? He was praying in private and his disciples were with him. How is that possible? Let me show you, go to another gospel account, Matthew, Matthew's account, chapter 26 and verse 36, we read, then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, and it's inferred, you sit here while I go over there and pray. I'm thinking that same scenario unfolds back here in Luke chapter 9, personally, I'm convinced that Jesus was purposely within earshot of the 12 in order to show them how to pray on both of these occasions. Beloved, we're going to wrap it up right there. Let me do so by just reiterating a couple of things to you. First of all, I may be speaking to, in fact, I just sense in my heart that I am speaking to someone that's going through some kind of deep-seated emotional problems right now. You just keep packing it down, but the pain is real. I want you to know that God cares. 
God cares. And there is a church full of Jesus chasers that care also. Now listen, listen very carefully. There are a lot of religious institutions around that claim to be all about God's business. And you can find out whether they're about God's business very clearly. If they are loving people and embracing people and pointing people to Jesus and try and at least attempting to help people know that God has a purpose and plan for their life, then more than likely it's of God. But beloved, if you're all about division and dividing people and legalism and pointing fingers and one-upping everyone spiritually, well, that's a whole other thing, and that just kind of adds to the whole issue of our pain. Isn't that true? We're hurting. We have sin problems. We have issues in our life, and people are pointing their finger. That's not helpful. But I'm here to let you know that there is a God in heaven. He has a son named Jesus, and they have sent Holy Spirit to live within us and uh, to do a number of things. One of those things is to bring peace to our life. Not turmoil, not anguish, but to bring peace to our life. Now, as we get into this series, we're going to understand that God allows certain things to happen in our life in order to bring us to Him, to draw us to Him, to help us focus our attention on Him. But ultimately, God's plan and purpose for your life is that you are born again, spirit-filled, on your way to heaven, and in receipt of His peace, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that begins to surface even as you're going through the trials and tribulations and the difficult times. It's more than possible. It is there for you, there for your taking, and I want to encourage you to take it. Let me pray for you once again. Father, I pray specifically for that one that may be listening at this time, that's dealing with some issues. Perhaps life has just overwhelmed them. Perhaps even some religious people have overwhelmed them. And like Job's helpers, just continue to push them down and add insult to injury. I pray that such ones might discover your peace, that peace that passes all understanding. May it guard their hearts, their minds through Christ Jesus. Bring to them victory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Listen, beloved, if you're one of those and you have these issues that I'm talking about, we'd love to hear from you. If you would like some more information about how to be an overcomer, we'd love to hear from you. Contact information is there on the screen. Give us a call and we'll do our best to try to help you through these situations. God has a plan for your life. Whoever you are, He does. It's true. And you'll need some help to find that quite often. We'd love to be able to help you with that. I want to remind you that New Life has a regular schedule of services or activities taking place here. Our worship celebration, primary worship celebration, is Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. We also have midweek activities Wednesday evening at 7 o'clock, something for nearly the entire family. Now listen, before I go away, don't turn, don't turn me off just yet. The church worship service is so very important, especially in this day and age. The help and the health we find in a good, solid church fellowship is just, it's, it's unfathomable. It will be of such a tremendous help to you. So I encourage you to get involved in a church fellowship where the Word of God is not only preached and taught, but lived out and used as a manual for our life. Not only mine, but for yours. 
as well. I've got to get out of here. My time is completely gone. I am Terry Knighton, the pastor of New Life Community Church, wishing you a great week. And remember, my friends, Jesus is coming back. Is He coming back for you?